a lot to talk about. Hey, we have a lot to talk about. A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot to talk about. We've got transfers. We've got recruits. We've got new coaches. Uh, we've got NFL stuff. But first. But first, let's talk about the one thing that's on everybody's mind right now. The, the one thing that cannot be ignored, that cannot be denied. The one the one good active Ohio State team <laughs> left in that's Columbus right. right now. The Ohio State women's basketball program has defeated number two ranked Iowa, dropping a hundo on the Hawkeyes at home. That's alliteration, folks. Uh, in front of the most people to ever watch a women's basketball game in Columbus. This year. Well, this year, <laughs> nationally and all time nationally. as a program. In Columbus. 18,660 people at the shot. That's wild. Thanks to you guys for going out there and supporting you, uh, the team, if you did. Um, obviously, you know, Caitlin Clark is is the giant of the sport right now. Everybody's going out to see her. Deservedly so. She's dropping, you know, 35, 45 points a night. Uh, but Ohio State hung in there took really smart shots, built a lead, and then over they, they tied the game up uh, with a really great fourth uh, quarter. Um, and over time, they pretty much dominated, and that was that. 100-92, they beat the second-ranked team and Caitlin Clark. And I got to say, man, I, I look, in a macro sense, and also I think also personally, because I have a lot of family members who've been involved in women's basketball at the high school level as coaches and administrators and things like that, I think it is awesome that um, they're getting the kind of attention that they're currently getting because it's a fun, like it's not, it's not men's basketball. It's not the same thing you're seeing in the NBA. It's, that's okay. Cause it's still super entertaining. It's still super uh, fun to watch. And uh, this game was no exception. I think it's awesome. And a hundred to 92, there's no way that can't be exciting. Overtime game was fantastic. I love it. It was a gritty performance, a lot of uh, really tough baskets. I think my favorite thing to come out in the aftermath was when Cotty McMahon said getting an and one with an 18,000-person crowd is like one of the best fish. She, she said it's got to be how LeBron feels all the time, which I thought was kind of funny. Uh, but, yeah, that was really uh, – the game was kind of getting away from him late bit, yeah. too, which uh, I think yeah, Dan pointed that out as we were watching it in Slack together uh and then it it was getting away and then almost as soon as he said it they got right back mm -hmm. in it and uh they they did a really good job pulling themselves back in down the stretch uh and i the thing that i like about this team relative to the men's team is that they're much much less live or die by the right. three even though they've got a lot of similar like you know space shooters they're they're a little more selective with their three pointers and uh a little more i think timely as a result and uh maybe i mean i'd have to look at the percentages but it feel it felt like just you know based on the few games i saw they were a little more consistent although that's also taking into account the last two men's games we've seen which have been uh two of the worst three-point shooting performances we've seen from holtman pretty bad this year. but to the but again women just had you know they're they're the stars of the weekend yeah. they just had you know most attended game ever at ohio state uh and you take down the number two team in the country it was pretty much a perfect day but for uh uh, uh in interesting storming the court incident yeah the ohio state stormed the court uh caitlin clark's on her way off she's kind of booking it uh, there was a person who goes on to the court uh, also booking it neither of them see each other kind of bounce off each other a little bit both at the deck. Uh, Caitlin Clark said after the game, she was totally fine. So that's good. Um, 
you know. And Gene Smith said he Gene apologized. Gene Smith apologized. To Iowa's coach. Uh, McGuff, you know, said after the game, Kevin McGuff, you know, apologized to Caitlin Clark and, you know, said all the right things. So I think this is all water under the bridge. There are a lot of people on Twitter going like, you know, this is the worst thing that's ever happened in women's basketball. And this is why you got a band storming the court. And I'm like, ah, storming the court still kind of rules. And yeah, I mean, Caitlin Clark and this uh, other person, you know, getting on the court kind of gave each other the, uh, the stiff arm a little bit, but to me, that is not necessarily grounds for, you know, uh, we, you know, we might've talked about it on the show a little bit before, but I, I don't like that the, the etiquette for court storming ha- has changed in the sense that it has broadened out now where it used to be. If you weren't like an, un- like if you were an unranked team beating a ranked team at home, mm-hmm. totally, totally within your right to go celebrate on that sure. floor. But I, I remember a few years ago, when Penn State, when Ohio State was hosting Penn State at home, and Ohio State was ranked like maybe 15 spots ahead of Penn State in the top 25 or something, this was back when uh, Will Levis mm. was behind. Was it Hackenberg? Mm-hmm. I think. And uh, so this was maybe like five years ago, and I, I, I remember thinking like that. It, this is completely inappropriate, even if this is like the last Big Ten game of the season, or not Big Ten. It was, I think, the, I think it might have been Senior Day or the last home game of the year for Ohio right. State at the but time. Still, but that's not. I, yeah, I, I agree. That's not right. really a good. And condition. today, today it's like uh, I, I, the number two team in the country. Right. That's and you know Caitlin Clark, best player in women's bat in college women's basketball. Like you understand, they're excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not like Ohio State is a bad team. They're ranked 18th. And so if we're if we're preaching this concept of like, you know, when you score a touchdown and but you're like a, a regular skill position player and then you do some kind of ridiculous celebration that elicits a 15 yard penalty, the thing your your coach will tell you is that you gotta act like you've been there before. It's not something to get all super hyped up about. You know, you're expected to go out and score again on the next drive. It's the same thing with uh, with this. You know, you're a good women's basketball program. You got the number one point guard in the country in the next class that just committed a, a handful of weeks That's ago. True. Act like you've been there before. I, I would say if it were another team besides, you know, Caitlin Clark, I think has kind of, you know, created this own mystique around her to the point where it's like, if you beat Caitlin Clark, you beat the number two, you know, Iowa team, then you you know, you've done something monumental, right? This is, and, and I don't think that's necessarily the case. Cause I don't, well, let's clarify if your school's basketball team beats Clayton, yes. Caitlin Clark, then they've done something yes, great, which you can then go piggyback that's, that's off right. of by storming the that's floor right. of the that's shot. That's a good point. I, I would say in this sense, I still think that the storming the courts justified, barely i'm not upset at it but it's one of those gray area ones where it's like this this is speaking to the problem that i i've identified with you know in in recent years and i can understand the discourse and why people might be upset about it that said if people think caitlin clark embellished that collision a little bit (laughs) not necessarily gonna disagree with that either i mean like I said, it's it, it kind of felt like I'm glad she's okay. I'm glad she's okay. I wouldn't be saying that if she actually Absolutely got hurt. And that's kind of the point, right? And I think that's what people are saying is that if she had actually gotten hurt, then 
um, you know, obviously the, the whole discourse changes. I also think, though, and this is this is the unfortunate fact about just sports in general. If it hadn't been another player besides Caitlin Clark, nobody would have said anything. <laughs> oh, oh no, nobody would care <laughs> because you don't. Gene Smith would Gene Smith would have laughed. <laughs> He'd be like, "Hey, how about that?" I, ah, that's hilarious. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, it's it's one of those you got to protect your stars kind of thing, and that, and that's fine, that's fine. But I, I do think that a lot of the the hand wringing afterwards was because specifically it was Caitlin Clark. Uh, anyway, great game by the uh, the women's basketball team. Um, you know, all the more reason to keep going out and supporting them, and, and you know, watching their games in person. Uh, eighteen thousand. The other thing that struck me about that eighteen thousand six hundred sixty in attendance. Uh, how many men's basketball games combined attendance will it take to reach that number? <laughs> Especially depending on like how the team's doing. And and you know, Ohio State men's basketball, by the way, did finally pull off a a nice win against uh, Penn State, in which they took the lead early and kept it throughout the game. So congrats to them. Uh, but yeah, I'm just curious to see like the level of energy and, and excitement uh, of one of those programs versus the other. So anyway, I want to start off with that because I think that's a great win. It was, you know, an amazing game and obviously a big deal in Columbus with so many viewing it. The other thing, of course, we have to talk about the other big things that we have to talk about are uh, we're going to start with transfers. And, you know, today I'm mean, recording this on Sunday today. Um, Julian saying, uh, number one quarterback in 2024 recruiting classes transferred to Ohio state. Uh, also, um, I believe this was a couple days ago, uh, Caleb Downs national freshman of the year. He's a safety also out of Alabama is now at Ohio state. Um, you know, first of all, Caleb Downs immediately becomes, I think, one of the best players on Ohio State's team, like offensive or defense. I mean, he is legit. He he is an unbelievably good player. If you saw Alabama games at all, uh, he was everywhere on the field. He allows, you know, guys to play in different positions, things like that, because he can just occupy such a huge chunk of space in the defensive backfield and just be everywhere all at once. He is incredibly good. Um, and then of course you've got, I didn't realize he had a punt return touchdown last year. Well, either. And that's the other thing I kind of want to mention because a lot of like, it, it really feels like he solves a lot of problems for Ohio state. So that's, I want, we'll talk about him in a second, a little bit more. And then if you got Julian saying again, 2024, uh, number one quarterback transferring to Ohio state, there's a lot of things going on there. Uh, obviously, and he he doesn't have a nickname yet, uh, right? Well, I assume it's gonna be Super Saiyan, right? Like we got right. Yeah, I was gonna say a, we're calling him Julian Super. We got to do some Dragon Ball Z stuff, so that that's absolutely that's, you know a given. Uh, before I kind of talk, about, who who is your Krillin in the history of Ohio <laughs> State football? <laughs> uh, oh God. Um, so if we're if we're going for pure baldness, I'll say Zach Smith. Uh, well, I mean, I'm no, kidding. I mean ineffective um you know constantly being picked up by other people around him i think that's a pretty good comparison that, that makes sense like you know <laughs> kind of useless anyway so <laughs> but but krillin you still like krillin He's a guy. Kr- krillin has likability so who is so who so who has all those traits of zach smith but is still likable uh <laughs> nick cecilia i don't i don't know i mean that's that's kind of a hard one um yeah, well, maybe maybe one of the incoming coaches. Maybe we can talk about that. But <laughs> it, 
anyway, before we get into that, and I just want to kind of, before we talk about the specifics of these guys, I do have a question for you, George, about kind of like the general um, thing around transfers and whatnot. Um, is this how Ohio State should be building their team regularly? In other words, is this something that we should expect on a yearly basis of the offseason going forward? Or is that because that's what I've been torn on about all of this. I'm like, yes, you have to get these guys if you uh, have the opportunity or the opportunity presents itself, or at least guys of this caliber. But is it a sustainable thing to do on a year to year basis, particularly when you know that these guys are going to demand so much money in NIL? I don't think it is a sustainable thing on a year-to-year basis for most programs, but I would imagine there's going to be years at Ohio State where they think, oh, we can deploy our assets for the purpose of addressing one or two needs. And then there will be other years like this offseason where desperation is a strong word, mm-hmm. but the it's very but the, the phrase make or break relative to Ryan Day has been thrown around right. a lot. And, you know, I, Gene Smith's reputation as he's on his way out, the, the last, you know, football coach that he will have hired will have been Ryan Day. So it's part of his legacy, too, to see as he's departing that Day does well on his way mm-hmm. out. So this season, you see that there's an incentive for them to go throw the kitchen sink at the transfer market in addition to paying so many of their players that could have gone to the NFL to come back on what would be, you know, comparable deals to what their rookie deals would be in their draft range. You, it's just going to depend on what the narrative of the, of the next season is relative to how the previous season ended, because I would imagine in cases where you, and I mean, it's tough for Ohio state because the goal is always like national championship, but you still have to imagine i mean just just look at it like how last how the two seasons ago ended compared to how last season mm-hmm. ended you know if ohio state loses to michigan if they end up maybe going to some inconsequential bowl game then maybe things feel a little bit desperate but they almost beat georgia in the college football playoff and it just comes down to you know running out ruggles for a field goal that they're not able to get the execution on and that one little thing is not a whole reason to go throw, you know, eight figures at your football roster. <laughs> so it's it's a little bit different. You see that they did because they weren't very like and that was one of the big criticisms, I think, of last year was that they they were worried about how they weren't, I guess, as active in the transfer portal as maybe they have been in previous mm-hmm. seasons. But the thing that I'll always remember is that the first period where they had an opportunity to take advantage of this, they got Justin Fields. Right. And, and they, the same thing, it basically the same thing just yeah. happened with, with saying, so when they want to go get somebody, they can go get somebody, right. but they just want to get the right people that are going to be around for a while. Cause the money that they presumably just gave saying they probably could have given to Cam, uh, Cam yeah. Ward, right? But Cam Ward wasn't going to be here for three for, or have three years of eligibility left the way that saying and down i think that's an excellent so point. it's i think it's just a season by season man i think that's an excellent point and and honestly another thing that makes this kind of a unique situation is you're not going to have a coach like nick saban retire every year you know what i mean and his roster just completely blow up. that's a big anomalous thing here right. too so they're they're doing an excellent job taking advantage of the moment and that's really 
that that's a key thing in sports generally, not just in football, is just capitalizing on opportunities. And they recognize that as one empire falls, they have an opportunity to build upon the one that's still standing. Yeah, and I think so. I saw something where like 30 Alabama players like immediately entered the portal, which is, I mean, again, unprecedented. And when you've got a roster like Alabama's that's as loaded as it is, like, you know, the, the biggest teams, the biggest groups are going to benefit. Um, I did think it was pretty funny watching i as soon as downs committed i went to the georgia like bulldogs forums like everywhere just to see how they were reacting to everything uh the answer is not well if you were wondering how that went um, i heard they thought he was like a they, lock for because like their insiders hours. were saying that their insiders were saying he he had back he was like in a, a moving van in athens georgia and was right there on campus and people were like and then later <laughs> Uh, people were saying, oh, well. You never want to hear about any Georgia football player driving vehicles <laughs> around campus. <clears throat> They've graduated to box trucks, and now they're going to like move on to like buses and freight trains. It's going to be the work. They're going to be those those man-made. You ever seen that video of that guy that went on a rampage in like, his homemade oh, tank? Oh, yeah, killdozer. Yeah, that's right. They're, they're going to get a hold of one of those at yeah. some point. Um, Georgia's a big military state, I, isn't it? Uh, well, yeah. They, I think they got Fort Benning down there. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so I think that's a really good observation on your part because I do agree that this is kind of a unique situation and, and they're taking advantage in a smart way. Because as you pointed out, Downs and Sam both have three years of eligibility, um, or well, at least three years in, you know, in the case of Sam. But my thing about this, as I'm thinking about it, because Downs for me is a lock. Like that guy will be an immediate starter. Like I said, possibly the best player on the team. Uh, as like from the word jump and i i understand who else is on the team by the way okay i want people to understand this i'm well aware that trayvon henderson mecca Buka, all these other guys are on the team downs is literally like people are projecting him as possibly like a top 10 nfl draft pick draft pick at the future like he is really 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 good um i'm more interested in how day is going to handle uh the saiyan uh transfer because now you've got a quarterback room that is very very crowded and is he going to start freshman year no no i mean that will howard has has got the inside track on that and i would have to imagine that unless something catastrophic happens in the offseason will howard that's his job but now you've got lincoln keenholes you've got um uh devin brown and you've also got air nolan coming in you have to think that at least a couple of those dudes are out and I, I mean, I really like Aaron Nolan. I liked Aaron Nolan when he was, uh, when he was a recruit, when they finally got him as a commit. All the tape that I've seen on this dude is awesome. He's been a super positive guy, all Ohio State all the way, never been causing any drama. I've been saying Aaron Nolan 2024 since they lost the Cotton Bowl. And, and the thing is, though, man, like, you know, in Slack – Jones was talking about this and saying, like, look, when you've got a talent the caliber of, of Julian Sand, you've got to go get him no matter what. I, you know, I'm no expert on comparing or, or uh, you know, evaluating quarterbacks. He looks very, very good. He's only 6'1", which to me is a little bit of a problem. But if you watch his footage, he's unbelievably mobile in the pocket, uh, always has his eyes downfield, hyper accurate, really athletic. He's a really fast guy. Um, not, you know, to the level of like a Justin Fields or anything like that, but he's still really athletic, like more than a guy like, you know, Devin Brown. Uh, but man, I still really like Aaron Nolan. And it's, it's unfortunate that I think in all likelihood you're going to end up losing um, 
some of these dudes. So I don't know exactly how I feel about that aspect of it. He, I guess my, my overall point with this, and I don't know how you feel about it, but I just think Julian Sand needs to definitely, he needs to be the real deal. Because if he is just kind of like a really good guy, but not a next level guy, then I would have rather have stuck with Air Nolan. Um, here's here's what I think. Here's what I think people should keep in mind relative to this situation. It was, I remember when Fields got to Ohio State, or when the news broke at least, and everyone's immediate assumption was that a competition wasn't even necessary and that Tate Martell was out of a job. Mm-hmm. That was like fundamentally reflected in not only the optic at the basketball game later that week where fields was like sitting with <laughs> who, who who was it down on it was like the receivers that were about yeah, to go pro yeah, yeah. or like whoever the nfl pro, and then tate martell is like up right. in like further tweeting, like, like 10 or 15 nobody, rows back and then he leaves like two well, not even not only that he's doing that running his mouth and then fields is like you know following martell's sister on instagram and shit like dude i don't <laughs> care like you know i mean like right. i you don't bother me right. But <laughs> so I would say, look at that relative to how Noland was react or at least appearing at the basketball in, game, in, having a great time, yeah, taking like, selfies with he fans. Could have been, I mean, he could, he could have been at home sulking right. and he's uh, and he's not. And it's not like he's like immediately like, oh, now I'm going in the portal right. because they betrayed me. I mean, I I feel for Noland a lot, not just because I liked him, because he had I mean, for whatever athlete you know athleticism saying has i don't think that he has the track credentials that nolan yeah. does and and that's complemented by the fact that nolan you know i i'm not going to pretend to be super familiar with his tape but at least what's been described to me he kind of went out of his way to not be a run first quarterback right. in high school which in, is that's that's encouraging for you know, that guy developing as a passer under uh, the tutelage of Ryan mm-hmm. Day. So I I was very much all in with like, you know, let's let's run with this guy and see what he can do because the talent is there. Obviously it's you know it seems to be apparent for a guy like saying too. I'm just in conceptually I it feels like Nolan based off that description would have a higher ceiling and I would like to see that explored. But I also think and and this is something that I think Ramsey said himself, iron sharpens iron, which is something that a lot of people in the day and age that we're in now run from because they want to go have their own opportunity. Sure. You just saw Kyle McCord bolt for Syracuse. Right. <laughs> so it's, well, you, the, it, when people don't run from yeah. that in the long run, it makes them better. So even if one of those guys ends up transferring away a year from now, I at least will feel better about the fact that Nolan's immediate response to this has been, I think, very, very even-tempered and very impressive for a guy that just got to campus a month right. ago and is already being met with a bit of adversity like this. So I, I'm i encouraged by Nolan's immediate reaction. We'll see if both of them stick around for the short term or the long term. But I think that if they do go, at least make it through the run of practice heading into this mm-hmm. next season – that kind of competition for who's going to get the second team right. reps, especially if Lincoln Kineholtz is still in the mix too. That's overall, that's just going to elevate, I think all of their game. And I hope that they recognize that. And I'm sure the coaches are going to make them. Well, see that I think, I mean, you know, let's say you, you do want to transfer. Let's say you're, you're Aaron Nolan. And at some point you're like, you know what? I'm, 
maybe I'm not going to stick around. I'm sick of raising canes. <laughs> That's right. I hate this crap. Uh, it, it's not a bad thing to have on your transfer CV, I guess, that you were in Ohio State's program for a year under the tutelage of Ryan Day, right? Like, it's not a bad thing right. to be able to put out there to other teams like, hey, man, I was at Ohio State. I got the best. You know, I can start anywhere. That might help you out a little bit more than trying to hit the transfer portal now, right, as an untested or an unproven uh, prospect. So I, w- I would hope – Just ask Mookie Cooper who beat Ohio State in the Cotton Bowl That's this right. year. That's right. And and so I, I do think that it's, uh, it's to their benefit to stick around a little bit. Maybe not a guy like Devin Brown or even Lincoln Keenholz, but for a guy like um, uh, Air Nolan, I think that would be helpful. Now – also, by the way, what if you're better than Julian Sand, right? Like, look, if Will Howard's the guy and you both are out there practicing and competing and whatnot, and you show definitively that you're the better dude, that that's your starting job, right? In a couple of years. So I don't know. I, I, I do think it's to the benefit to a guy like Aaron Nolan to stick around, uh, despite, um, uh, say and being on the roster now again is it to the benefit of Lincoln Genals no probably not uh, or Devin Brown definitely not because he's super low on the on the you know he'll go he'll go back to one of the Dakotas right. and light it and up that's great and, and that's fine and and again and that's what they can do they can also now say guess what I was in Ohio State's program I'm taking all this knowledge and experience and training and tutelage and whatever and it's made me a better player and that's why you want me on your team so you know I don't know exactly what the future holds for this. I really hope that we do get a true quarterback competition between uh, San and Aaron Noland. Um, I don't know that we'll necessarily get it, but um, you know, it, the, either way, I think the future is bright. I think both of these guys are, are excellent uh, next level prospects. Uh, it's just going to be a very interesting off season and it, thus even more increasing the drama around the spring game, as we have noted in the, in the past. That's a good point. I hadn't considered that because I know I've been sandbagging the spring game, but it, now that now that we've got Sand in the mix with Nolan, it's it'll be interesting to see how those reps get divvied up and Kineholz. Yeah, too. that's gonna be nuts. Uh, also, coaches, this is wild. So, uh, Bill O'Brien, uh, <laughs> meme extraordinaire. I, that's the thing. Like people after this was announced, Bill O'Brien being Ohio State's you know kind of offensive coordinator here. Uh, there are a lot of people online making fun of this hire, saying it was stupid. Ohio State's washed. Brian Day, what are you doing? He's such an idiot. Look, I think a lot of it is just a bunch of salty Bama fans who have internally cat. No, a lot. Well, a lot of it is O'Brien's butthole chin. We, we can't lose sight of that. <laughs> yeah, fact. no, he can be. Yeah, he can be made fun of. Right. But I do think a lot of it is salty Bama fans and, and, and Texan fans who just, you know, hold grudges against them, have memorized every single play that they didn't like or every single, you know, play calling sequence that they thought was bad. And I'm not, look, I'm not going to get out here and defend him as this amazing hire, right? He's not some, you know, nascent genius that nobody's ever heard of and he's just coming up to the ranks. Like, you know what you're getting with Bill O'Brien, right? But I think that's part of it. I think Ryan Day wanted to bring on a guy who was experienced, who has a track record of working well with quarterbacks and helping develop them. And frankly, I I don't think he wanted anybody who would necessarily uh, like force Ryan Day to kind of change what he was doing. Ryan Day's got his offense. He wants more ideas about how to modify it, but not completely throw it out wholesale. And that's what you're going to get in Bill O'Brien. So to me, it's not, it's not a terrible hire. It's, it's a little bit underwhelming, but I don't think it's this, 
awful, you know, horrible thing that's going to sink Ohio State. I think he's just as valuable. I think he's a very low – I think he's a high floor – I don't want to say low ceiling, but just very, very high floor in terms of, like, should probably be pretty solid because the – like, what a lot of people, I think, lose sight of – you know, it's it's one thing to look at the recent college experience, the fact that he was, you know, just attached with the Heisman Trophy mm-hmm. winner in uh, Bryce Young. But you go back and look at when he was an, even an NFL head coach, like with the Texans, right. and he he was criticized for getting that job after, you know, barely spending any time at Penn mm-hmm. State. And he was widely expected to fail. And even if he didn't necessarily work out there long, long term, and I think was very much supported by the the – you know, having one of the greatest defensive ends in NFL history and JJ Watt <laughs> supporting whatever offense That's he was right. trying to run. But the thing you got to remember is that, like, who was the best quarterback that JJ Watt ever played with mm-hmm. on those Texans teams? God, I don't even. I mean, I, I can't name, I can't them. name any quarterback from. But O'Brien still pulled ten and six records out of that butthole chin of his every year. <laughs> The guy can coach up players. Right. And well, and people would say though, as a counter to that, well, look at New England last or this past season, right? They had the worst offense in the National Football League with, you know, with crappy players and, and Bill O'Brien wasn't able to, you know, fix that situation. I think that is largely a result of that organization kind of being in a huge state of flux and kind of chaos. They had very little talent on that roster. Especially offensively. Do you think it's fun to play for a team that openly knows its coach is going to be gone after the year's right, over? Right, and I think that played a huge factor into it. Now, I'm not trying to like be an apologist. I'm he, Bill O'Brien has his uh, issues. I think as an offensive coordinator, he will get stubborn at times. He will, you know, if something's not working, he will bang his head against the wall until it does work, or you know, they just plainly can't win with it. But I also think that he's he has some smart play calls. He does some interesting things, particularly in the run game, which is something where I think Ohio State wants to be a lot more dynamic than they have been. And honestly, probably that factored in him getting hired. They will definitely come up with some interesting concepts uh, running wise. And when you've got two, you know, all American, you know, uh, candidates and and uh, Henderson and Jenkins, I think that's that's going to be a big boon for him. Um, but yeah, this is a safe this is a safe hire. And it's not this terrible, awful thing that Reddit and Twitter want to paint it as. It's it's fine. It's totally fine, but it's not it's not inspiring. I don't think it's amazing, but it's fine. And I don't have any real problem with it. So we'll see how that works out in the future. It feels like the Knolls hire to me in terms of they just got a guy who's very credentialed that knows what he's yeah. doing. Well, Knowles I don't I don't know this. I don't know the specifics of O'Brien's system off the top of my head. The way I knew that Knowles runs like a, a huge variety of concepts. Mm-hmm. I don't know if O'Brien's that sophisticated with it, but strictly in the sense of looking at, we need a coordinator who is doing this job very consistently at a high level, and they just went out and got that. I mean, you, you know, especially. There, I know there's a lot of uh, talking about, you know, high, what what merits are people really hiring on right now. Right. Conceptually, you just want to hire the best person to do the job. And I feel like the last two coordinator hires, I mean, we'll see how it works out with O'Brien, but I, Knowles was I don't think run. there was a lot of skepticism <laughs> about Knowles. There shouldn't be any more. It was clear. It, who who could have you hired that was better for no, that? nobody. Nobody. He, he hired, the best, he hired the best person. So give him the benefit of the doubt. He's going to do it right. again. No, yeah. Knowles is, I mean, that's that's a home run. That was clearly, I mean, 
one of the smartest moves that he that anybody's made hiring people at Ohio State since uh well actually I was gonna say Harlan, maybe Tim Walton at this point. Man, I think we gotta start putting some respect on that dude's name. Um so yeah, I I, I think it's a decent hire. It's fine. It's it's a B and, and that's okay. I don't have a problem with that. Uh Corey Dennis is still on B for Bill. B for Bill. Uh Corey Dennis is still on the staff. We don't know in what capacity. Um he was the quarterback's coach and now he's just kind of there. So we'll see what's gonna happen with that. Uh he might have just been Wally Pipped into some kind of I don't know, a talent evaluator situation, but a lot of people He's getting Urban Meyer's office that he was That's still right. allowed to have after he <laughs> retired. Right. Uh so yeah, I don't I we're not really sure what's happened with that dude, but he's still staying on staff. Um so you know, fine. Uh, overall though, this has been a really consequential week for Ohio state football. I mean, a couple of weeks, frankly, I am unbelievably stoked about the, uh, the downs commitment. I, I just think that is a game changer. They were already, you know, one of the two or three best defenses in the country. They're bringing back pretty much everybody. And then they just added the best freshman in America so I think they'll be fine. I think it's all going to work out pretty well. So I'm, I'm excited about that. Even if you don't have an offense that's scoring 40 points a game, it may not matter because the opponents are going to be scoring like two. So um, that's fine. I'm okay with all of that. Uh, so before we're going to ask us anything, uh, we remind you that the Dubcast is sponsored by the Dry Goods Store, LoveWarriors.com, shirts, hats, stickers, all kinds of stuff. Check it out. It's the uh, the depths of winter. So please make sure to get you know, hoodies or any other kind of thing that covers your, 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 uh, your body so that you can stay warm and, and comfy in these very cold winter months. Let's do ask us anything. And when to remind you that you can ask us literally anything by sending us questions to dubcast at 11 warriors.com. Let's go ahead and start with a question that uh, kind of goes along with what we were just talking about was from Kevin. He wants to know, Ohio State hired Bill O'Brien as offensive coordinator. Do you think he will call the plays or Ryan Day? Well, the the theme, or at least what has been hoped, is that there there's going to be delegation of authority. Now, we We've heard that thought before. that was going to be the case. <laughs> yeah. That's what we thought was going to happen last year when they elevated Heartline, uh-huh. and then it didn't really right. happen. So I, here's I, the thing that I'm wondering about is that I mean, if Day really is, as he's described, as one of the best play callers in college football, and I go, I go in and out on that opinion. I think he's good. Um, I don't and think I think he's one at, of the best. I think he's good at it. But. And I think execution a lot of times can can heavily impact that um, that opinion because I mean he could come up with something that schematically is like the perfect call for what it is, and then you know. If, somebody gets a false start or something. It's not like he's the one that screwed up the cadence right. and then, or, you know, there's a holding or something or the play gets blown up in the backfield because of some other mistake. It's, you know, not necessarily their fault, but then you, depending on the, the down or the situation, you, you might see some sort of criticism. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't mind if day sticks with being the play caller. I think he's kind of shown that it's not, you know, it's not something that he's bad at. It's not like he's an active detriment to the team. Um, you know, we we say that and then we get very frustrated watching, you know, how some of the Michigan games yeah. go. But, I mean, you, but then you, you know, think back to like the other high-level opponents they played like Georgia. And, I mean, would you say Ryan Day called a bad game in that he game? He called an incredible game. 
I he, mean, he, he yeah, he put them in a position where they just needed to kick a field goal yeah, to win. It was unbelievable. He was he was coaching with his pants on fire. It was unbelievable. So I won't be upset about it, but if he does delegate authority to Bill O'Brien, we've been advocating for that for a while, and I'd like to see. I, I would equally like to see that. So I'll be comfortable either way. It's not something I'm going. I think what will happen is Bill O'Brien will be up there in the booth, a la um, Jim Knowles. He'll call down the plays to Ryan Day. Ryan Day will basically give a thumbs up or a thumbs down, and if he doesn't like what he hears, he'll he'll change it, and then he'll he'll send it on to uh, whoever's on the field. Um, I also think it'll be interesting if NCAA comes out in this offseason and allows radio helmets for the quarterbacks and how that might change the interactions between the play calls and how they're put in and, and how quickly they're put in and all that kind of stuff. Because I think that will speed a lot of that up and it will allow for more, not discussion because you still only have a certain amount of time, but it's going to allow for more interaction or interplay between the offensive coordinator and the coach and the quarterback. So I think that's essentially what will happen. I mean, Bill O'Brien will get, you know, he'll have the play call. Ryan Day will have right of first refusal, and then, you know, the play will go on as called. So that'll, I think that's probably how they'll set it up. Also, Kevin points out, this is completely uh, off topic, but it seems that it's always very cold in Columbus one week in January. Yeah, we just dealt with like single-digit temperatures for about three or four days straight. Couple days canceled. Couple couple days canceled for school because the wind chills were like negative fifteen, negative twenty, and don't want kids waiting out for the school bus on those days. Here's what's happening: the uh, the Atlantic Current is weakening, or whatever it is, whatever the the, the airflow. Uh, that'd be news to me. I can see it from my house. Yeah, so it's. Uh... No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not. But I'm. You know. I. I don't mean to make light of your your frigid temps. No, I was a student there once too. I know how. Well, it goes. essentially, what's happening is is you've got that that airflow. I don't know. Why I can't think of the name exact name of. But you got the airflow that goes in Canada that typically keeps the Arctic air up there. And what's happening is uh, climate change is actually weakening uh, those winds, and so as a result, the the Arctic air that normally sits near the North Pole is like sliding its way south, and so occasionally you'll get in the winter these very weak jet streams, jet streams are the word I'm thinking of. And they essentially allow this cold air to just sag into uh, the United States. And so for the past like four or five years, you've seen that happen, you know, once or twice every winter where we'll get, you know, a week or two of just literally Arctic temperatures and then it bounces back up. And you're going to see that in Columbus this week because it's going to be rainy and 40 and 50 the entire week and then back down in the third. So who knows? I mean, it's just the way it goes now, I think. I remember one of the, uh, when when president drake took over for gordon gee i remember one of the things that he did to immediately make the student body hate him you know other than draining mirror lake <laughs> was yeah he would not give a snow day mm. when it was like negative temps outside at ohio state that. and we got like a foot and a half of snow i think this was in i think this was shortly after the national mm-hmm. championship in january I hearing about in, that. in 2015 yeah so he he and he actually like there was enough like out like outcry from the students asking for it that he sent out like an email basically saying nah you still gotta go and the whole student body was just like we just went from the best university president in the country (laughs) to the worst we went from a guy that surprises people at their 21st birthday parties and never forgets their first names after meeting them once to a guy that could care less about the well-being of his You know students. what? I got two snow days as an undergrad, and then I got, like, 
Because well, Karen Holbrook was uh, president when I was an undergrad, and then Gordon Gee took over as a, when I was in grad school. I got a couple snow days with Holbrook because it, it was literally like it was like one degree outside, and then wind chills of like twenty, and then we also had six inches of snow. So they did pull the trigger on that one. Uh, in grad school, though, Drake would have had to do it because that's when we had like an actual blizzard, and there was literally twenty six inches of snow on the ground. And nobody was going anywhere. So I remember that because I was doing my student teaching and I had literally a week of school off during the middle of it because nobody, I mean, nobody could go anywhere. It was insane. So that was interesting. That was a really interesting time uh, on campus because I was living on campus in the grad dorms at the time and it was, it was bonkers. Uh, okay. So next question here. This is from Nicholas Jervy. Yeah. Nick, yay, hooray, our good friend Nicholas Drivy. Thanks to thanks to our good friend Nick. We uh, longtime Eleven Warriors readers and listeners, of course, know uh, Nick Drivy. Um, he says, "I believe everyone has a quirk that drives their roommate or partner nuts when they clean house. For example, my roommate always leaves bowls in the sink to soak overnight instead of just putting them in the dishwasher. One, this is crazy behavior, and two, what is your? I, d- I disagree." In in certain situations, uh, a decent amount of soakage can make for a much easier. It depends cleanup on the, the cereal. Uh, but what? But what is your quirk? What is your quirk, George? Like just relative to cleaning the well, house, or just like what he said, clean house. I'm not sure what he means by that. He does, phrase. but let's 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 expand it to like any irritating thing that a roommate would have to put up with from you. I have okay. one very specific um, one that my wife hates, just absolutely hates, and she and she is completely justified in hating them. I used to, um, if it was like late at mm-hmm. night, my most recent roommate, I like, so I did this probably like four or five uh-huh. times. I don't know if he ever figured it out or not, but I, I like he, like I would, I would like, have his frosted flakes <laughs> like so i would like break into their shit like knowing that he bought it for himself to like have Stealing it in the morning food. or whatever but then Classic. but before before he could figure out that i had any i would always replace the box with like a full uh. box so i was <laughs> i was always very good about it but there was always that like that that window in between where it's like there there's there's a noticeable less amount than there was last you know time and he could figure it out unless I'm unless I'm sharp ahead of that. In so, college, I uh, uh, if my friend Ben Gorn is listening to this, I'm sorry I siphoned your frosted flakes for the time that we lived together. But he's a good guy. I don't think he'll care. In that college, much. I uh, was room with a couple guys that I uh, didn't really know that well. They were good dudes, but it was you know we weren't like buddies or anything like that. And I think my second week there, I stole some salting crackers from one of my roommate. And he afterwards immediately labeled every item of food that he had bought with his name on it. That's and that's and Sharpie. Yeah, it was like, come on, dude, you just tell me not to eat your saltines. It's okay. I, I won't be offended. I know I'm stealing from you. Just, just tell me not to do it. Here's what I do. And um, my wife really hates this. And like I said, completely justified. So I really like apples, right? It's one of my favorite things to eat as a snack. Just munch on an apple it's delicious so instead of like throwing away the core like a normal person immediately like after i eat it i'll hold it in my hand and like nibble at it for whatever reason and then when i finally do you eat the seeds no, but my my mom actually eats the entirety of the apple she'll eat all of it 
with Damn. the exception of the stem. Oh my god, stem too? Yeah, I was she gonna say no. That's that's unhinged. But she eats literally everything else. I I eat almost okay. everything. I'll tolerate. Yeah, I that. eat almost everything, yeah. and I just kind of nibble at it. But when I'm sick of holding it in my hand for a half an hour, as my fingers get wrinkled, <laughs> I I have this habit where I put it in a tissue and then I wrap it up in a tissue and then I set it on a side table or whatever and completely forget about it. And which is gross. The problem is, is that I have inadvertently trained the dog to eat those things because he likes eating the apple cores and then he'll eat the apple that I have wrapped up in the tissue. But the problem with that, so first of all, that's all disgusting and gross and I shouldn't do it. But (laughs) in addition to that, now the dog, every time the dog sees tissues anywhere, he thinks there's an apple in it. So he goes around just tearing the crap out of every wadded up tissue or every tissue box that he can get his hands on, his little paws on, because he thinks there's hidden apples in there and he's going to get an apple treat. And so we just see torn up tissues all around our house all the time. And it's because, as I said, I've, I've trained him to do this because he thinks there's apples everywhere. So yeah. that's disgusting. And, and you know. I, I mostly stopped, but the dog will never stop because eventually he will find an apple. And, and so you, you Ginters have exceptional culinary. <laughs> yeah, I'm kidding. Um, <clears throat> so that's ask us anything for this week. Thank you for sending those in. We'll keep answering them. Uh, a few things on our way out of here. First of all, four-star defensive end, Dominic Kirks. Oh, real oh, yeah, quick. Just and for the conversation we were just yeah. having about how like people were like, no, oh, this hire sucks. And like, you know, just the general like animosity with uh, Ohio State football in the like the infancy of the off season. I want to harken back to a poll that I ran the the day after they lost the Cotton Bowl. Now, one of the things that I really love about being at Eleven Warriors is this poll feature gives us a statistically significant sample of Ohio State fans every time we put mm-hmm. it out. Some of the questions don't get as much of a response. You know, we might get you know, two, 3,000 responses. We're still getting multiple thousands of people on pretty much every question that we right. ask about Ohio State sports, no matter how niche mm-hmm. it is. I asked a very, very standard marketing survey question the day after the Cotton Bowl, which is a, a satisfaction poll where you give five very, very uh, – established tiers of of uh, a feeling in this case it would be satisfaction and then you use that to assess where people's general mood is relative to whatever the topic is so in this case it was how satisfied are you with the current direction of ohio state football and your choices are as you would on any marketing survey extremely satisfied somewhat satisfied neutral somewhat unsatisfied and extremely unsatisfied Mm -hmm. there were 6,789 people that responded to this poll. How many of those people, the day after the Cotton Bowl, do you think said they were extremely satisfied with the direction of the Zero percent. I can't imagine. No, it's higher okay, than that. So- let, me adjust the, let me adjust the question. Yeah. So for people that said they were somewhat or extremely satisfied, so combined, so just some level of satisfaction mm. above neutral, how many people do you think expressed some level of satisfaction with Ohio State football after they lost Immediately the, after the direction Bowl. of the program. Yes, day after. My my honest guess immediately after the Cotton Bowl will be like twenty five. I'm sorry, two days after. Two days <laughs> well, after. That's still yeah. So in the in the aftermath, I would say like the weekend after. Yeah, I'd say like twenty five percent. That's your that's answer. my answer. Yeah, it's less than half. Than that. <laughs> 
of the fan base was extremely satisfied with the direction. 8% of the fan base was uh, at least somewhat satisfied. That's pretty good. 9% were neutral. (laughs) That means 78% of Ohio State fans were unsatisfied with the direction of the program on December 31st. 2020 we got to run, run that poll back again like we're, we're that's my that's what i'm saying because i'm i'm working i'm weekend editor next weekend so i i think i want to run this poll put again and say i just the same question because we're, we're recording this on the 21st it's not even a full month later right. and with all the developments that have happened i mean you do you 78 percent that's bonkers we're we're upset Forty-four percent said they were extremely dissatisfied, <laughs> which was the overwhelming largest which, portion. Look, of and, the and I can understand that in the aftermath of a game like the Cotton Bowl. I also think that it kind of shows how quickly a lot of this, you know, perception stuff can change, right? Like, you know, which is why I'm drawing the parallel with the O'Brien. No, no, that's... Ohio State fans are like, con- like, catastrophically reactionary to to (laughs) any news good or bad and you see it in when you pull their satisfaction over whatever the current state is because we run that poll next weekend with what's happened in the last three weeks you think people are still pissed off even after all the success michigan had yeah not it's not gonna be remotely close um and to that end, I mean, it, you know, today, if none of this other stuff had kind of broken this weekend in the past few days, Dominic Kirk's four-star defensive end, people would be all about that and, and say that's like the best thing that's, you know, happened and it's amazing and it's great. I mean, this is a, you know, a, a fantastic prospect, a guy out of Ohio. Um, and this weekend, it barely registers a blip because of all this other stuff that people have going on. So, yeah, I think that's, I think that's an excellent point on your part couple other things to talk about um so you know cj stroud uh you know unfortunately the, the texans did eventually fall to uh to uh, the ravens but this is they accomplished more with him than i think any of their fans thought possible he he did an incredible job this season played pretty well against the ravens uh particularly in the first half but just you know lamar jackson was lamar and, and did things that you know other other players just can't replicate um however with that said and and, you know you pointed this out before we started recording that doesn't mean that ohio state is not you know well represented in the playoffs you've got san francisco obviously with bosa and young out there detroit beat tampa bay today uh so taylor decker's still rolling um you know there's still a lot to root for if you're if you got recruiting interests in ohio state players so um you know Good on all those guys who are staying in there, and, and good for CJ for having such an incredible season. Yep, I uh, I don't have much more to add on than that. I was watching the game uh, at Hard Rock Sportsbook last night. It's the first time I've been over there since they legalized it in Florida mm-hmm. to start this year, and uh, I was I was stunned. I I shouldn't have been as stunned because I mean you know Lamar's Lamar, but I was kind of amazed at how many Ravens fans were there in a in, you know in South Florida. Um, but so it was, it very much I could tell just like walking in there. I was like, this kind of feels like it's Lamar Jackson's moment. I don't you know the C.J. Stroud ride has been fun for this year, but he's kicking it up it's, a different uh, level. They're going to need to get well. They're going to need to get Tank Dell back because losing him. That's that's the other really amazing thing about the season Stroud had is that think about 
how many players lose their favorite guy, their top target, and then they they struggle to replicate that success down the stretch. And Stroud not only didn't miss a beat, but in some respects got even better because he was kind of forced to divvy up his targets more than just, you know, turn Nico Collins into the new tank right. Dell. He got Dalton Schultz as a tight end more involved down the stretch. And he started, we saw a lot of those, uh, especially even yesterday, you saw Devin Singletary used in a lot of passing concepts and like the wheel. I know you're a big wheel route fan, Johnny. <laughs> uh, Singletary was running fan. a lot of those. And Stroud, he's got all that, uh, all those times he was throwing them to Travion and whoever right. else, and he was he was hitting Singletary pretty consistently on the sideline with those. So right. it, uh, you know, it's a lot of encouraging signs. Nothing to be upset about. It, it was going to be a long shot for him to beat an established team like that, anyway. You know, I'm sure some people are upset that Stroud went down to another Harbaugh, but you know, it is what it is. We we move on, and we like you said. Bosa and Young are still representing the 49ers, and I think that even in light of the fact that they had to come back to win yesterday, they're still probably the, I don't know about the favorites, but certainly one one of, if not the most complete team left that I, I know the on the outside looking into the postseason, people figured the Super Bowl was going to be a 49ers-Ravens rematch. Mm-hmm seems like we're still on that trajectory. So I would like to see it. And we'll see if Bosa and Young can uh, get some redemption for C.J. Stroud. That would be cool. I My particular rooting interest, I mean, I was definitely pulling for Houston and Stroud. And, um, I, you know, I still want to see Detroit do some the business. I know that might make some uh, some Michigan fans happy, but, you know, whatever. Well, I'm a Bears fan. I don't want to see that well, nonsense. Well, fair enough. Uh, but right now we got Kansas City and Buffalo going at it, and that might be – I mean, shoot, who knows who comes out of that, but uh, that might be the uh, odds-on favorite out there. Uh, also, some other NFL stuff, Jim Harbaugh has uh, been doing his interviews, his, his, you know, as he does on a uh, yearly basis after the end of the season. Apparently Atlanta has booked a second interview with that dude, so we'll see if he's on his way out, which I don't think anybody would be surprised at this point. The bigger one for me is Jesse Minter – uh, potentially losing uh, or leaving as well. And if he's out and Harbaugh's out, I mean, Sherman Moore is probably going to be the uh, the next guy up, I think, um, at the head coaching. I think Moore would be the next guy up regardless. Yeah, no, I, I do too. But what I'm saying is, is that – I'm also very unafraid of Minter after watching him just like scream blitz into his headset <laughs> after Stallions was feeding him all That's of his right. intel. Uh, yeah, I, I mean – my biggest thing is is that Michigan just they're replacing a ton. I think if Harbaugh leaves, they're I mean they're going to lose a lot through the portal as well. Uh, offensively, I mean they've got some interesting pieces offensively. Like their tight ends are going to be really good, um, but they they're replacing literally their entire offensive line. They don't know who their quarterback is going to be. Their best returning. Uh, running back is Donovan Edwards, who was like terrible until literally the last two games of the season. Um, their wide receivers are kind of booty. So we'll see what happens with them uh, offensively. Defensively, they should still be very good. They're returning a lot of guys and their defensive line had a lot of depth. They're losing some dudes, but they'll, they'll be fine. Uh, but without mentor, if he pieces out, that's going to be a whole other dynamic that Shremore will have to deal with. So, We'll see what happens with them. There, there's a lot to be still written about uh, Michigan, I think, in the next few months. Are you surprised that Harbaugh hasn't been hired yet? Do you think there's a chance that maybe he's he's at the same thing that's happened the last two years is happening now where he's like going in demanding too much 
even with all the leverage he has now relative to the last two years. And he's – how funny would it be if he ends up just kind of – this this would stink for Ohio State fans, right. but it would still be very funny if he ends up like weirding out the NFL for a, three, a third year in a row even after he's getting all these second interviews. I think at this point after the season Michigan just had uh, that – there's very like there the tolerance for weirdness has increased <laughs> you know what i mean like nfl front offices offices are going you know what eh, let's roll the dice we'll give you a second interview just you know dumb it down this yeah, time just... please don't wear cleats into my <laughs> office right. and ruin my floors right. I, you know and i think uh, with God, that guy won a national championship what the hell just know, happened and, and look i don't think he's necessarily like this idiot and, and a lot of people are oh, just a moron you know whatever i i think he's a talented coach in, in a lot of respects he's also just weird as hell and i think you know one i've told you before i have firsthand knowledge that the only guy that the only talent that guy has had since college has been playing both sides of the fence <laughs> and he's very good at that and, and he's been doing that in contract negotiations in ann arbor basically since the summer and he wants assurances that he's not going to get dinged for any ncaa thing not just in his professional life yeah. either so the thing about harbaugh is that he uh like I said, he's got enough talent and he's got enough clout at this point where I think NFL offices, and as you see with Atlanta, they're willing to overlook it and treat him seriously as a candidate and let him come in and say, give me what I want and, and whatnot. And some of these teams might be desperate enough for it. I don't know if that's actually going to happen, but there seems to be pretty clear interest on at least his part. Uh, you know, he's not just doing this for funsies. So we'll see what happens. Um, I think he's just, a, the thing about Harbaugh is like, he's just as content going back to Michigan with whatever they give him as he is with taking an NFL job. I, I think he's that. I don't believe that. At I all. think he is. I, because I don't think I, I, I don't believe that at all. I think his heart is very much still rooted in the NFL, which is why he's been playing. Will they, or won't they the last three years with Michigan? I just think he's look, he's looking for any, anybody who will give him the, the adulation and the, you know, the, the free, Rain to do whatever he wants and if michigan gives him that he'll stay there for 10 years and if some nfl team will Dude, that, he'll stay there. he'll go there can you imagine losing a super bowl to your brother <laughs> that like i i you you if people, you yeah. believe that you are in like one of the truly best coaches in the sport that has to drive you insane <laughs> that's a good point you would be so desperate right to get another NFL job to go rectify that wrong. To, it's so obvious sure that, never that that's what he really wants yeah. to do. Not necessarily beat John, right. but at least get the same thing that his brother achieved the same level of success in the NFL that his brother has from a coaching standpoint. You, there's just no way that that kind of direct competition didn't have some sort of an effect. I'm not saying it affected their relationship, but just what he would want for himself professionally, mm -hmm. you're. It's impossible when you have those two things intertwined that that goes yeah. away. There's no way that that isn't still what that guy really wants out of football more than anything else. And I guarantee, if he does win a Super Bowl, and you ask him if that meant more than the national championship at Michigan, he'll tell you the Super Bowl means. Yeah, more. I, that's a good point, and I think absolutely he would he would say that. Um, yeah, that's a good point. And I think that would <laughs> that mess with my head. 
Uh, all right, last thing before we get out of here, because I don't want to keep talking about Harbaugh, is we have to uh, eulogize at long last. I mean, really, it's still around. And and it's it's been a slow, long demise, but Sports Illustrated basically gutted their staff. Oh, I wanted to have a whole conversation with you about this, and now we're already at an hour. We, yeah, we're, we're a little bit into it. Maybe maybe we can talk a little bit about it more next week if you'd like. Um, yeah, well, sure. let's, How about this? Let's, let's put it on the back burner for next week. I just want to kind of briefly say, though, uh, Sports Illustrated gutted their staff. They didn't fire everybody, as I think some people were reporting, but they fired pretty much everybody. This is coming on the heels of, um, you know, the, the scandal where they had the AI reporters, you know, people doing automated stuff and, and not actually saying it, basically inventing guys, you know, who, who weren't you know, real and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, Sports Illustrated has been kind of this is very not surprising to me at all. Sports Illustrated has been on a client for a long time and print media in general and, and how the landscape of college, uh, not just college sports writing, but sports writing in general has, has changed over the past 10 or 15 years. Uh, it's been kind of leading to this point. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll kind of wax poetic about it a little bit next week, but I do think this is an indicator of uh, how difficult it is to find a voice, to, to create a voice, but also to find a voice as a consumer uh, if you're somebody who enjoys sports writing and you you want people who think deeply about sports because they deserve to be thinking, you know, to, to be thought deeply of, they they deserve to have good writing behind it. If you're somebody who wants to find more of that, I think this is just kind of one of those indicators of how difficult it is sometimes to get that in in you know in the sports world because of how automated and monetized and everything everything's become and and it's been broken down to its bare essentials to the point where somebody who wants to write these in-depth stories or do in-depth reporting, it, it becomes so much more difficult to do that because of the landscape of sports writing in general these days. I, uh, yeah, I do want to, I think this does merit a lot larger conversation, not just because it's something that's interesting to us, but I mean, we, you and I are two people that have literally been at this for many, many years yep. in terms of just trying to like get established in sports media mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful for, you know, where I was able to get to, and I'm sure that you're extremely grateful for every, you know, the amount of time that you've had at 11 warriors and elsewhere. But, you know, I remember right before I got to 11 warriors, um, the way that I got here was I, I had been writing at land grant, Holy land for about three years about Ohio state football. And I had written four years previously about the Chicago bulls at SB nations, other site for them. And, uh, you know, I remember writing my last thing about tough Borland after the, uh, the national championship in 2020. And I remember just thinking like, this might be the last thing that I ever write because I can see the direction that a lot of these smaller platforms are heading. Mm -hmm. And I'm getting to the point where the, the effort that it goes in to create this stuff, even if it is fun for me and it is a labor of love, it just is getting to the point where it is not worth it. And I wonder how many other people that, have put time into sports writing the way that you and I have, have similar, have had a similar realization and stopped because that would have been the last thing that I wrote. 
but I sent it to Ramsey and I had been talking to him for about like two years. Mm-hmm. And I said that, you know, if I, you know, I haven't sent you anything, I would really like you to read this. And at that point, that was the thing that Ramsey in, introduced me to Jason and Chris. And that was what led to me starting at 11 warriors. And that got that rejuvenated my, my career and my passion for wanting to do sports writing. And for that, I'm unbelievably grateful for this place like 11 warriors, because it is truly, it's only going to become an even more unique platform, particularly for its size. As we start to see so many other sports media spaces just get drowned out, not just in print, but as you're starting to see in the digital realm as well. And it's really it's sad and unfortunate what has happened, but it's going. We're going to need to see more examples of sites like Eleven Warriors in the future, more independently owned media spaces that are committed to being the best secondary source in the business. Something that is very, very credible in terms of making sure the story is right, but also supplemented by writers that are very passionate and knowledgeable and historic or just historian like in their knowledge, which is something I think you fill very well for the the Michigan role here at this Thank site. You. It's I I think and and you look at guys like Jones that do the film reviews and I add too and everybody's got their own little niche here in terms of what they offer to fill out the coverage. And I, we need to see more examples like that in the sports media space if really good sports uh, discussion and journalism is going to thrive. And what you're, the direction that you're seeing right now I don't think is encouraging, but that doesn't mean that there's, there can't be other people that step up. So I really, if you're an Ohio State fan, and I mean anybody that's listening to this obviously is, but – I, I, as a fan, I'm so grateful that we have a site like 11 Warriors that can, that just stands out in terms of the unique position that it has for being an independent team media site with the reach that it has. Um, and I, I think that a lot of other fan bases, if you were to pitch that kind of concept to them, they, they would want something like right. that, and they're probably jealous of the fact that it doesn't well, and exist. I, and that's the thing, and, and I, I want more of that in the space. Like, I want there to be an Alabama version of 11 Warriors. I want there to be – I mean – There's a few, and, and, I yeah, think. And, and there, I think it's part of the reason they, they need to, like, consolidate, and then they have the like, similar reach. Right, and that's what I'm saying. Like, apart from the pay sites and things like that, like, you need that kind of consolidation. You need guys to come together so that you can have those huge sites. Oh, free free media. That's another important part, too. Everything and, It's got to be free media. And that's kind of what I'm getting at. And, and there are some – I mean, like, I'm a Reds fan, and there are some great – I mean, Reds Reporter is an unbelievable site, right? Like they do incredible work, but like you have to, you got to have a passionate fan base and you also have to have a group of people who are willing to um, put a lot of content out there, think of creative ways to do that, but also not be beholden to like the dictates of, you got to have X amount of views and, and, and Y amount of words per, you know, article and that kind of stuff. Like, because that that's what kills journalism and you've got to have people willing to, you know, let people experiment and take risks and, and go out on a limb and do different things. And that's, that's hard because you're, you know, butting up against the necessity of, you know, what's going to drive clicks and, oh, Google just decided to slash their, you know, AdSense revenue in half, you know, that kind of stuff, like it as has happened in the past. So it's hard to deal with that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, I agree. And, and 
you know, you want to replicate that feeling that you had when you opened up a Sports Illustrated every week, you know, when it came to your house and you would get a bunch of really cool in-depth articles. You'd get some cool opinion, uh, you know, op-ed stuff. That's the kind of feeling that you want to try to replicate as opposed to this SEO stuff and, and automated, you know, where it's like, oh, this team won by three and that's their they can't a comeback win. Well, and that's that's the irony of my position is that that's more of what my full time well, gig yeah. is is the SEO stuff. But that's, that's, so, that's what's, as I'm saying, yeah. oh, we're the space is oversaturated <laughs> with with clickbait, Google optimized yeah, yeah, content, yeah, yeah. and then meanwhile, what, what am I really doing on the other side? That's right. You're like, <laughs> Uh, but, but in, in all reality, I, I do, I want to see more of that. And I'm glad the 11 warriors can still be that space. And like you said, particularly that it's free and that's a big deal for me. I don't, I don't think people should have to pay for that. Um, I think that community and, you know, like people interested in that kind of material can drive enough to make that kind of thing viable and successful. So hopefully we continue to prove that and we can continue to prove it. If you guys continue to listen to the Dubcast, so thank you for tuning in this week. We really appreciate it. We'll talk a little bit more about our favorite memories of SI next week, and I'm sure we'll talk all kinds of things about Ohio State and Ohio State basketball and all kinds of other things. Uh, but until then, I'm Johnny. I'm George. And we'll see you then. Take care, folks. Take care.